0: Hey everybody, this is Cameron from Obnoxious Anonymous and welcome to the Twin Peaks Thought of the Day for Saturday, March 26th, 2022. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it is already 2022 and it's been 10 years of these Twin Peaks Thought of the Day videos. My guest today is sort of the originator of these videos because he is the one that contacted me and said... Hey, you know, uh, you know, you did a Twin Peaks uh, discussion a while ago, and you interviewed Jennifer Lynch. What do you say about uh, doing a video? And uh, we can talk about Twin Peaks and David Lynch. I said that would be a great idea. And here we are 10 years later, still talking about Twin Peaks and David Lynch, James, how the heck are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thanks, Cameron. I had a pleasant day today,
1: especially because the weather has been so good here. It made me think that I was actually like Voltaire on our channel. Uh you know, cold at night, but then warm in the day, good sun and everything. It's really pleasant. But um, of course it won't last here. So um other than that, I actually went to the the barbers and for the entire if you can believe this, for the entire duration of me at having my hair cut, we spoke about the Exorcist and the Exorcist 2. I'm shocked. He actually knew about the Exorcist 2, and then like I, you know, I said the Exorcist three is more true to the original. But he was sort of saying, um, you know, I always look for how these things are based in reality and that kind of thing. He had quite a good perspective on it, really. And and then uncannily, Grim Life Collective, this other channel who does these tours, and stuff right, on uh, YouTube, they were visiting the house that where the real possession happened with the fourteen-year-old boy. Uh, that inspired The Exorcist, and uh, just made me think. Mm. But it's you know it's something that's in the zeitgeist or coming back because there will be the of course the sort of sequel slash reboot of The Exorcist from uh, the director of Halloween.
0: It's not even just one film; it's a trilogy. Yeah, so that'll be. I don't even
1: know if Linda Blair is in
0: it, but if she isn't, that is ridiculous. Well, Ellen Burstyn is. So <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah, but I mean, if they don't have CGI uh richard burton or something then i don't know is it gonna work
0: <laughs> all right well let's bring this back from an exorcist podcast to talking yes to Lynch and twin peaks here right. so uh the other day was angelo balamenti's 85th birthday and of course social media was a buzz The criterion channel uh you know made a tweet about it mm. it's you know when you look back at lynch's work and you see Eraserhead, and elephant man and dune And again, you know, I I loved all those movies, but I think that without meeting Angelo Balamenti in the ninth hour, basically, of Blue Velvet, uh, I would say that Lynch's career would be completely different at this moment Mm. in time because they were going to use Shostakovich and a a lot of other composers uh, for Blue Velvet. Bad Lamenti was called in at the, like I said, the, you know, the ninth, 11th hour, or whatever, to work with Isabella Rossellini. He ended up taking over the entire score by Lynch's uh, permission and created one of the most brilliant uh, scores of all time with Blue Velvet. And then, of course, went on to do Wild the Heart and Twin Peaks and all that. Yeah. But, but what does Lynch's career look like without the music of Angelo Bad Lamenti? I don't think he goes on to do Twin Peaks. I don't think he goes on to do lost highway and wilder heart and all that I, I think that uh even if he makes those films they would be completely different because without ballet oh, yeah i mean i i would
1: say that like blue velvet with a soundtrack in part um composed by toto would have been interesting um, <laughs> yeah and like you know uh, I, mean, I can understand i don't really know much about toto everybody knows the song africa of course but the music they made for Dune and things was more obviously synth-based, or but there's two aren't there two different soundtracks for Dune or or there was some confusion about all that anyway. But I'm not sure.
0: I would uh, say the music for Dune is pretty epic. I mean, yeah, the, I'm not. The, uh, yeah, but I mean, the time I'm, when Tangerine Dream was doing scores. So I mean, the idea of getting a, an, an iconic rock band to do a score was in the zeitgeist at that time. But Dune is like really impressive. Well, I think, you know, obviously it does sort of
1: have that synth aspect, that 80s aspect which Angelo Badalamenti brought into Twin Peaks, but then it was just on the cusp of the 90s and it sort of made synth music cool again, almost, at that particular junction. But then I think it's very telling that with Firewall With Me, that they knew, despite the film being different and all that kind of thing, they knew we can't just carry on with the same sort of music from the show and they had to... And they sort of brought in sort of elements which were a little bit, maybe grungy and uh, without going full rock or something. And one thing I was thinking actually earlier when I was listening to a few things from lost highways, like with Lynch, his musical choices or whether it's taste or not, I don't know. Is it times like there's always a slight questionability about it. Like you listen to Ramstein and you're like, yeah, it's quite good. I mean, it is good. It's very good. But i don't necessarily want to listen to it for like a long time i could just listen to some of the song and then it gets like almost uh being in the kind of situation Lynch described as a hell zone where he had set up <laughs> some kind of system in his first house in hollywood or wherever and i think one of his wives came in and was like this is just like a I literally described it as a hell zone and uh because he was like just booming out music and he thought it was fantastic and everything but she was well, just rammstein, like
0: what? well rammstein is like source music that he heard and thought wouldn't be great to put it in the film vali is creating original work for lynch's lynch's work and, and even and even so um, yeah. sometimes they don't even have the 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 picture to to look at vali music for twin peaks was so incredible that they actually shot the show sometimes to his music rather than reverse which is you shoot the show. Oh, well, and then, well because he he created they had it, it playing yeah yeah well he had several of the cues already ready or already ready before they even shot a frame of, of footage well, i mean even with firewood media were playing that like uh you know
1: pink room real real indication as well and the with all the students like wandering
0: around you know kind of jigging about but i mean but you mentioned Synthscore yeah. score and that may be true with Twin Peaks, but it doesn't feel like John Carpenter's synth score. It feels like an actual orchestrational thing. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think it's not based in that same sort of. Um, Escape from New York kind me. of feel like I think it's a, mo- a moog, partly uh, that kind of arena, they call it a synth uh, moog synth, sorry, because Josh jokes that I like demanded that any music has got to have a moog on it, basically. That was my musical taste, and uh, you know, I mean, the thing with carpentry is he's very much like delineating it as very much of its time, and sort of like this is what I'm going to do, and then his the he, the musical motif just keeps repeating a lot, and you can you either love that like hypnotically, or you can imagine some people would be like you Know this is getting a bit on and on and on, you know. And
0: well, so. I think they're two different composers too. Because John Carpenter says that he wants his music to be like a carpet, which is you know, it's mm. there, but you're not like listening for the music. Whereas no, it's I would more say, like a it's, it's sort of sustaining the mood or something like that. But I would say Bad Lamenti is in some ways like John Williams is a composer where it's like it's there it's evocative it's moody and sometimes you realize that the music is carrying the scene as good as the actors are the the music in blue velvet and twin peaks uh, you know and and you know other works of his that he worked i mean even his score for uh, nightmare elm street three dream warriors is astounding yeah because i listened to some of that one time and then i just sort of put it on one of my
1: own uh home movie video clip things that i make. And, you know, it it just immediately sort of makes anything interesting, almost, if you put it to a clip, which is like at least somehow suitable. And uh, it's the same with Lynch, really. I think uh, what stands out more with the return, as you describe it, the source material was more prevalent and it was very much had that like, you know, we know this is a return back to both the source material, but we're like, showcasing that particularly with the you know the performances in the roadhouse and then you get these music sequences in it which are very much it's not necessarily the music making the scene better or making the scene it's more like it's just sort of carrying the whole thing in a kind of
0: yeah now i mean obviously Matt like Menti's score in mahal drive is incredible too he seemed to have kind of i know he did a little bit of music for inland empire but it doesn't seem to be quite so much and then when it came time for the return I know a lot of people thought this is going to be great. It's going to be lynched by Lamenti together again. It's going to be incredible. And I think a lot of people at first were kind of taken aback at maybe how little bad Lamenti's music is used. However, I will say the music that they did use or the original music he did compose for the return is right up there with the best of his work. Uh, it's, it's great. I just, I do wish there had been more of it. Um, Obviously that was a stylistic choice that Lynch decided to do. What well, I mean, it's not like they didn't have plenty mm-hmm. of music to choose from, uh, Lynch decided not to do that. And I kind of understand why, but that doesn't mean that I don't also wish that there had been more. I wish Bad Leventi would release sort of like a CD of music that was created for the return, but not used for the return. I think that would have been, that would be really cool to hear.
1: Yeah, I do. Th- I think- I would say I agree for the most part, but I definitely think the music chosen for the return was more, it felt like a, here you are, you know, you're going into this movie theater type place with music by uh, Angelo. And it's like, it's similar to the end of Fire Walk with me with the angel, that voice of love music and things like that. It's very much sort of like you're in this place. It's the kind of, and it's a showcase of some sort. And I think that's something that Lynch seems to have on his mind, especially with his YouTube channel being called David Lynch Theatre and things like that. And But I do think that some of the music in The Return, most of it by Bad Lamenti is, is really excellent. And, of course, he did do that song Heartbreaking, which is played on the piano in the
0: mm-hmm.
1: one of the most sort of, uh, I think that scene almost brings to mind sort of scenes in the Great Northern with the... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there's a piano. There's a piano in there where Trudy was playing, or something like that. And uh, it, it, you know, The King and I was at, mentioned in the show as well, harking back to Pete. So um, there were definitely like you know nods to the original show from Bad Lamenti. but of course, uh, deeply just produced so much music that. Was used like Electrical Resource. He did make an album or something called that. And with Bad Lamenti, there was no sort of spin off, as you say, like music extra that, that was not used in the show. Because probably you could just imagine that Lynch would say, no, don't put that out because,
0: uh you know, it's just. Well, they released all those like, yeah. you know, season two music. Uh... Yeah, but
1: like 20 years later. <laughs> Yeah, well, it wasn't twenty years later. It was about probably fifteen or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but there's always like new things. Like, like uh, you'll go on YouTube or uh, and you'll see like sixteen unreleased tracks, uh, you know, from Twin Peaks. And all of a sudden, there's a lot more, you know, music and sound effects and stuff that like are just recently being uh, uploaded and shared. So I have a feeling that maybe one day we will get, you know, music inspired by the Return, but not used in the Return.
1: Yeah, but they never used the they never sorry release all of the sound effects from season two particularly like the it's this one that i've heard in other shows but it's actually an almost generic sounding slightly you know thriller thing this sort of sound i can't do an impression of it properly but
0: when was it's used?
1: Years? it's like oh it's just too confusing for me a bit, a bit to think like you know for instance the scene of uh the owl flying towards the camera after the camera goes zooming up that kind of gully or whatever with after oh yeah 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 and those kind of special effects the sort of it goes yeah there's various ones in there but they're just they're not like that far removed from stuff you'll find in a lot of thrillers even now i've heard this kind of you know tv thrillers even and uh the thing is that they just did it so much better because twin peaks like it was being made sort of from people who really knew what they were doing i think mm-hmm. so well you know i think we all know that that was the case it was like it was a labor of love not just sort of like some kind of you know movie of the week or something to, but bad yeah.
0: lamenti does DreamWires. he does tough guys don't dance he does a few things here and there but once he gets together with lynch it almost seems like i i mean if you look at lynch's movies you know, some of them make money, a lot of them don't make money. It makes you wonder, it's like Balimente seems tied to Lynch ever since they start working together. So I um mm. it makes me it makes me wonder like what kind of side gigs is Badlamenti doing to supplement the income in between the four or five years it takes, you know, Lynch to get a new project off the ground.
1: Yeah, I mean he, he's done if we film if we find him on IMDB or something, the amount of music that he did for different films is is ridiculous like the he did one for the for a film but that is benoit or whatever the uh children of the lost city or something he I oh mean, the
0: City of lost the, children yeah that's a yeah, good
1: film. They, they did the well i've never seen that one but it's you know uh what's it called but, i mean that, the was right around,
0: of, that was right around lost highway too that
1: yeah, '90s sort of. Um, I mean, Christmas Vacation, for instance, is uh, <laughs> yeah. you know like a favorite film. Now, I mean, it always has been, but it's it's very much I, it's, seems to have been come back into favor. And it's like you didn't. No one would think that that's an Angelo Badlamenti soundtrack.
0: I don't even remember a but. score for that movie. <laughs> it seems more like it's punctuated by actual Christmas tunes than than a score, but. Uh, but then again maybe during the Julia Julia Louis Dreyfus scenes of like being blinded by white light and stuff like that in the bedroom maybe that's where bad lament is scored I don't it. know but it's like, it's like
1: I mean clearly he must have been doing pretty well I imagine as a composer I'm not pretending that uh somebody like him working was kind of just absolutely raking it in mm-hmm. nonstop because a lot of the films he was making and getting involved with were not uh necessarily John Williams level were they but it's you know but he was working in perhaps more artistically and
0: uh well even if you look at jennifer lynch's film boxing helena it's like she's going for you know kind of an ethereal sound and it's not bad lamenti, but it's almost like she's trying to get that bad lamenti feel with using other music Um, right
1: and uh there's always this aspect of like you think does does someone like that as he as Lynch's daughter is she consciously sort of um paying tribute to her father or is she imitating him or is she uh not doing it knowingly because at that age I don't think you necessarily are so aware of uh
0: that kind of thing you know well I think she just made the film she wanted to make yeah at the same time though you I mean she is coming off writing Laura's diary and while not being you know a part of twin peaks uh you know the series proper uh you know in terms of television it still was a big part of her life <laughs> i mean she is sort yeah. of surrounded by it well i never even realized that 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 she
1: was on a tv in a like they actually the shots like we only see it in the um on the tv in blue Velvet with the woman going up the stairs or or someone going up the stairs with a gun or blah blah you know they filmed other things like with um jen lynch looking into a mirror very you know right. josie-esque and putting so, on lipstick or something and that was not used during the final court so, so for think. those
0: of you who don't know jennifer lynch worked on blue velvet uh, behind the scenes and at one point david uh cast her as one of the people that you see on the television in that sort of 1940s film the war uh videos that they're watching and that was was cut out however you can see her in the deleted scenes section yeah
1: i never really paid attention to that deleted scene but i have watched all of the ones of blue velvet and uh
0: there's still some I've... missing
1: oh there. oh okay
0: yeah there's one right after um jeffrey kills frank where it's jeffrey and sandy sitting with her dad detective williams and the police department in um sort of a interrogation room and um the, you see uh stills uh, on the original mgm uh dvd of it um there are there are stills uh, from the deleted a scenes a small
1: boy in a sailor suit standing
0: on a beach <laughs> i mean there, there's there, there is i mean that, that was one of the things when when they showed the deleted scenes I think at the beginning of it lynch even has a a thing saying that um you know these are what have been found these aren't these aren't everything
1: like but you you don't generally say to the studio can i have all of
0: the original negatives for the film yes just take them david you know (laughs) well i think nowadays with most films a director's cut is saved you know and then they make whatever adjustments they want to make but with the, when the you know blu-ray or streaming version comes out they can go right back to the original file and pull the director's cut. yeah all I
1: mean digital makes every all the, the difference and like another thing is the films being released now often almost feel like the director's cut especially like say you know the new Batman and people might I've had some people who, are, who throw scorn on you know Films like Batman, etc. But it's still, I think it's still true what I'm saying, you know, it's changed. Whereas I don't know, it could be just the general way things are now, but like with Tim Burton's Batman, I think if that had come out now, it probably would have been longer.
0: Well, like for been. instance, when Ridley Scott did Kingdom of Heaven, he had his director's cut and then they said, no, we want to go shorter. And so they yeah. cut it shorter but then the when they released it they said no you can release your director's cut on dvd and so they just said pull up the original file and off we go and you know i mean but back then in the 80s when they were doing films like blue velvet or Friday the 13th or whatever it was you know you cut the film up and that the theatrical cut was the film and then the deleted mm. scenes were thrown in a vault and sometimes they were used for burnings and things like that like they you know they would just start throwing stuff out i mean half the stuff that you know that people want to see in deleted scenes have all been chucked year, you know years ago a lot of that contributed towards uh global warming in fact so um well, well like stanley kubrick <laughs> stanley kubrick would burn all his deleted scenes
1: yeah that's ridiculous i mean that is cute. Stu- because if people could see that um, hospital scene at the end of Shining, people would right. be like, you know, they would be buying The Shining again on Blu-ray or whatever with that added. And then maybe a few extra scenes that were also burnt. And it's just, yeah, you could make a whole alternate version of The Shining if you'd not delete, um, got rid of all of his deleted scenes as well. Because have you? do you remember the, there was like a, a US trailer for The Shining. Mm-hmm. and it was it used alternate takes from the film then every shot was an alternate take in fact I didn't know this but and some of the, the images are like quite terrifying what Jack Nicholson does with his face and stuff it's it's a film which still has some power for me actually I'd say
0: oh yeah and like I said the other day uh, on the Twin Peaks of the day it's it's like you have Stanley Kubrick John Waters Jonathan Demme David Lynch and it's like whichever one you start with they feed into each other (laughs) you start to like watch the other filmmakers uh in general uh or all of them at at one point if you're a fan of one you become a fan of all of them
1: yeah they're i think they're you could classify these as a a time one time they were i mean they still are to an extent seen as cult filmmakers and um even though of course Kubrick really entered into the mainstream big time but um
0: well John Demi with sounds the lambs that's really mainstream
1: well um yeah okay
0: I I only
1: I remembered that you just mentioned John Waters as well but um but even John Waters entered into the mainstream didn't he so
0: I mean crybaby uh, that was a big hit
1: yeah and hairspray and then they made a new version of *Hairspray*, so
0: and a musical or whatever I? But, um well i like the joke about because chris isaac you know was of course in marriage to the mob and uh and sound Lambs, and then was later used uh, by uh, lynch and fire walk with me and of course wild at heart but uh and then he went on to do Bar- bernardo Bertolucci movies and things like that um <laughs> but i mean when i met chris isaac and he was telling no, me about and, and uh when he was telling me about the the boxing scene he was i didn't even ask him about the boxing scene he was just tar- started talking to me about the boxing scene he said you he goes, you wouldn't believe it you know i was doing this i was doing that and then you know in, in between takes you know jonathan demi would come up and tell me like you know how to how to move how to move this way or that way and i remember i didn't even have the you know i didn't stop him but i just i love well, the idea was- that even he confused david lynch with jonathan demi
1: <laughs> and maybe he was confusing uh like the timeline and shooting those different films because after all he did play a well it was sort of like fbi swat or something i don't know why right. it works it sounds like yeah was it fbi it was some kind yes. of thing mm-hmm. so yeah and the i mean it makes you wonder if he's even seen the missing pieces for instance so because he's like far more just now in the music world he doesn't do films anymore does he really no he had a showtime show for the longest time yeah but that's about 10 years ago like he did he did like a dirty shame which was john waters but right uh you
0: know so i he, mean yeah well you know what's interesting about now that you mention it so he did a dirty shame with john waters firewalk with me and wild Heart with lynch um mm. uh married to the mob and and Son- sonos Lams with demi and then did the uh baby did a bad bad thing for stanley kubrick so he just worked with all well, four. He, uh, Yeah, uh, <laughs> so that's pretty I, you know chris
1: isaac is really someone who's been appreciated a, a lot in the film world but um watching that maggie may fish video of the her sort of twin peaks explain video she mentioned how um lynch was almost riffing off of silence of the lambs with firewood with me which i'd never i have kind of seen that commented before um like she'll take a little sort of comment that maybe someone's made but then turn
0: it into almost like an essay and I think I think she made the point well actually though she... I think the point was made very well my my counter argument was would be Salus came out in February 91 they didn't even they they wrote the script very fast for firewalk with me but Salus had not really become the so much in the zeitgeist until around November December when it came out on video and that's when it like became so popular at one best picture so i don't know if like it's not like they saw this like really popular i think some of it market. are coincidences
1: and the thing is i honestly think for instance that lynch may have been sent the script of the film of Silent Lambs, for instance or bob engels may have been like the scenes of the the plane flying in mm-hmm. fbi and things like that but this is right. a very typical thing is you've got to remember that lynch was on board to direct uh manhunter you know as the script of red dragon so he's very much aware of that whole world but he's at the same time he said no because he just didn't think
0: well and you could also you you could also make the argument that sounds lambs and firewalk with me are supposed to take place roughly around the same time couple years difference and that's just maybe how the fbi got around where these little planes into you know uh yeah
1: i mean i think i will say this like for instance if you enjoyed silence of the lambs if that's the right word like some people found it scary i know that um then you probably you would get something out of firewalk fire walk with me and it's not a massive stretch but depending well, on your probably
0: well remember when we first you know when we first met and started talking and i told you that when i I mean i I really liked jonathan demi as a filmmaker back then and i went to see the silence lambs because i was interested in the film but also because twin peaks had really made the fbi really cool uh you know uh, mississippi burning was another film that kind of made the fbi really cool and then you get into you know silence the lambs and it's like this this kind of renaissance of the fbi and about crime solving and 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 it seemed like the way they were you know trying to track down buffalo bill had, had kind of similar feelings to cooper trying to track down bob and it just kind of felt like you know i guess today's word is zeitgeist but it just felt like it was it was part of that world and i remember saying to you i would have loved to have seen a cooper windam earl film you know filmed uh, you know orion pictures tinted blue that that kind of like thriller by Jonathan Demme (laughs) it would have been incredible (laughs) I mean you know it's
1: oh yeah I'm just trying to think did I see I obviously would have seen silence the lambs after Twin Peaks had started in this country right Mm -hmm. because it came out in 91 did it
0: it came out here February 91 I don't know when it came out oh right and yeah, i went with this friend i had at the
1: time and he said oh i was quite scared and we watched it both and i was like oh and i don't know if it was maybe having seen twin peaks before um that made me probably less scared by Science of the lambs in a way because the you know almost paradoxically though i think that some Science of the lambs fans would watch twin peaks fire walk with me and say hmm, this is not really this is almost tame because they're not really picking up on the the mood, because you know. With uh, lips, wouldn't you the mood, say man. though
0: that Salas lambs has more in common with season one of Twin Peaks than Fire Walk with Me? I mean, Fire Walk with Me is very mm. much a. It's it's sort of a. I mean, as TV guy called it, an R rated after school special. <laughs> yes. A mix of like,
1: sort of Nightmare on Elm Street, but mm. without the sort of not quite the same sort of uh cheese factor perhaps i mean i don't want to say
0: we've said it it
1: was cheesy but you know what i mean
0: no but i have i've made the the talking points before that i think fire walk with me has a lot in common with that first 30 minutes of night realm street for the dream master there's a lot in common
1: (laughs) I i can't remember because i went to see the dream master at the cinema because they just used to let like youngsters in
0: and uh i'm convinced to this day that new line cinema saw Firewalk with me or heard about Firewalk yeah. and said this could be our art house elm street movie
1: all i remember is we actually
0: whoever i went
1: with like well, maybe two or three of us went to see the, um, the dream master and we thought it was okay then we went to see the dream child and we were just like no we didn't like it as much no i don't know why but it, i can't remember why but the dream child was just it maybe had some too many uh bad special effects or something or it was it, tedious I think it
0: felt like half a movie Is what it felt like <laughs> it didn't even yeah. feel like a, a complete film like Dreamwears and Dream Master feel like you are seeing a complete film right or, you know dream child felt like
1: getting towards that sort of Freddy's dead final nightmare kind of level of <laughs> No, I, mean, I suppose at least that probably has some. Can you
0: imagine effect. if Twin Peaks had gotten to season four? Would we have gotten a scene of Bob going, "Now I'm playing with power"?
1: <laughs> when, when does he jump out of the swimming pool and stuff? Is that? Oh, that's in Freddy Two. Yeah, man, I'll shoot too.
0: No, I would have but been yeah. all for Bob jumping out of a swimming pool and like killing a bunch of teens at Donna Hayward's house.
1: <laughs> should have been. I mean, ideally, he would have been jumping out from the falls.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's he's got a he's got a keg of beer in his car and he's just like you know i mean i mean just bob no... in his in his in his human form yeah, does look like, like he, he just you know came out of you know a kiss concert or something so
1: yeah i mean i don't know where the hell he came from but it's uh <laughs> i want to know the relationship between bob and green uh kind of gardening gloves or whatever it was so <laughs>
0: um so getting back real why quick, they, they, they defeated him well getting back well bob was in a ball they had to get rid of him somehow i guess um i mean that would be a good video game you know to like you know just be punching bob balls
1: yeah i mean they've done a new uh busters game and it looks literally like you know they could just do that with a twin Peaks game but it's and aim it at like you know anyone age about eight or older. <laughs> yeah. um, i mean because this new ghostbusters game it looks obviously aimed at youngsters i mean it's not it it looks a bit kind of tame perhaps but you know they're not going to go back to that ghostbusters original style are they so
0: well i'm just curious fully. because you know after does blue velvet and he works with balamenti and Balamenti brings in julie cruz and they ditched the whole song of the siren thing and and replaced it with mysteries of love and then they, and then of course lynch uses that music for uh uh lost highway and then he brings bad lamenti and julie cruz over to twin peaks i would say without bad lamenti and julie cruz if lynch even tries to do twin peaks without knowing them i i don't know if twin peaks really takes off in that way because wh- one of the main things that they sold off the original uh season one was the soundtrack yeah i so, mean I, I think like anyway it, can we just talk a little bit about the maggie may fish video because um, sure sure i was just trying to i was just trying to finish up the Balamenti talk yeah and yeah you. yeah and the i i just thought i mean
1: it appeared six days ago and i was a bit uh at first i thought what is this you know and But then i realized you sent it to me and i realized who she was because i'd seen other videos of hers and i remembered my sort of response to them before like i i thought at first i thought is this is she she doing joke videos or is she being serious and then after a while well quickly i realized that her videos are generally uh pretty you know astute observations of films etc like fight club and um and all sorts of, and she's done Lynch films before talking about them. And I must say some of her stuff it is almost, I do feel like it's going a bit over my head, but it's partly because of the presentation, like with this new one, um, it's bordering on incoherent because she goes from one thing to the net, the other, without any real um, relating the points particularly. But I did think that the, the observations about dynasty and like the men in it being kind of, unanswerable sort of you know perfect guys and then relating it to say leyland and you know how he's portrayed in twin peaks and also her mockery of the twin perfect video was pretty much spot on i would say in as in you know mansplaining as well that kind of thing i mean i didn't really think of it in those terms before but it twin perfect it does come across as that very much and to a point where he's almost uh like you're thinking is he doing this seriously and the answer is of course um no he's making a video for youtube so and very knowingly you know which is something i don't think i've ever done and yourself as well we just sort of do it on sometimes it's on the spare of the moment and there's a kind of you know energy there that we want to do it for you know it's not to try and garner an audience etc so are
0: are you are you suggesting that twin perfect doesn't mean what he says in that video I believe he means it wholeheartedly
1: no I don't I don't personally think that he's like entirely like for instance the part where she brought that bit out about curious George and the uh the monkey at the end of fire with me I thought that was like really astute on her part and like a great observation of like this guy is just basically making it up um and no i don't think he means all of it i think he's i would say he's overly sure about a certain level of these things um but i do think a lot of that is just pretending to be for the camera because if you come out there and say well this might be that way it might be this way I, I mean, I don't think he, in his nature he's too much like that anyway. But um, I would say overall he's 50-50. But the thing is, he presents everything as if it's true. And that is where he went wrong, basically. Because um, as she as she says, Twin Peaks is not meant to be uh, 100% explained or 100% understood necessarily.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In that kind of way, anyway. As in, the monkey at the end of "Fire War" with me is curious. George as in, because it's looking like this. That's just the way the monkey's moving, right? Lynch didn't say if the monkey move like that because it makes you look like you're curious. It's like just fucking shut up, basically. You're like an annoying cunt. Well, no, I've gone. Sorry, I've gone. I've gone off.
0: <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> you have to. I, I that, mean, I mean, yeah, I, mean, what, I
0: mean, one of the things about his it's it's it's, it's, uh i mean it's a brilliant title twin peaks actually explained no for real i mean it's brilliant because it's going to get you 2 million views i mean in fact at one point in her video she even zooms in on the 2 million views yet at the same time it's like it's no more uh, you know a, a theory video that you would see you know one of the other people have made like Pete Peppers or wow Lynch wow it doesn't mean it's not a yeah. reason it's or no, none of them
1: have made their videos four and a half hours of like consistently presented points and the thing is he's presented a lot of points that are so sort of um I would say layman understandable as in you know the sort of idea that Twin Peaks is self-aware and is about soap operas etc. I mean come on this is like just stating something which like an eight year old would understand watching Twin Peaks. Like, yeah, it's got a soap opera in it. I mean, this does not mean it's about soap operas though. It's it's depicting a world for us to enjoy as Lynch says. And to make a video like that, it's sucking all of the enjoyment out of it, which is the, I think the only thing which Lynch would see when, you know, perusing like uh, YouTube and he'd go, you know, F Twin Perfect basically.
0: I mean one of the brilliant things about lynch is that they can it can be under his work can be understood uh but it's it's understood by you and so so it hits you emotionally like like i understand for me i understand a lot about david lynch's work but i wouldn't say that it's the same uh you know that he might feel differently than i do or you might feel differently than i do it's just that but i understand it for myself it's a personal thing it's not it can be universal,
1: but the thing is, you can't go out and just sort of uh, say, this is the hundred percent definitive truth. And this right. is the, this, that, and the other, I mean, it's basically like, um, you know, Rob Ager, his collective learning videos and channel like explaining about the bear uh, suited man in the shining and how it all re- result, uh, i around, sorry. Um, or resolves the mystery by explaining that uh, Danny was abused by Jack Torrance. Um, Like there is a lot of proof in the film which shows that that is likely. But the thing is, Kubrick is, what's clever about Kubrick is he never actually gives you anything which can make it 100% certain. So it's just the fear of that that's important. It's not the actuality we do not necessarily need to see anything happen uh like say in the war zone or something
0: it's uh yeah well I mean we know that Kubrick was a big fan of Lynch and of course Lynch was a huge fan of his as well uh or Kubrick I mean and we've said it before that Eyes Wide Shut is almost the lost David Lynch film that he didn't make in between Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive I mean when I first saw Eyes Wide Shut yeah I, I was like wow this actually feels like Stanley Kubrick tried to make a David Lynch film. I mean the tone of it is so it's almost like Lynchian and Kubrickian together.
1: Some of the shots like of where um what's the Tom Cruise character in it called? I can't Bill, remember.
0: Bill Hartford.
1: Yeah, he's like you know, he's in the back of a vehicle and it's obviously like back projected New York and things. And he has this sort of slow zoom into him.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, that reminds me of sort of Fred Madison. I I don't know. There's a slow, there's a kind of zoom into say Leyland in fire walk with me. And I liked it when Lynch did that in fire with me, because it reminded me of sort of something to do with classical filmmaking and I just i really like that kind of effect but at the same time it's something which you really have to use sparingly otherwise it becomes uh, a 70s whip pan zoom fest, which you know we don't,
0: <laughs> well i think about i think about tom cruise walking the streets and having that guy following him to the piano note um, and of course the big set piece yeah. in the middle at the mansion is complete it feels so much like a david lynch film <laughs> when when he walks into, yeah, it yeah. Walks into the the ritual and all that i mean the magic, the mood everything it
1: made, it feels very twin peaksy actually i would say the the fact that it was also filmed in the uk largely uh well entirely pretty much apart from just other footage that was gathered and then linking scenes but like um you know that mansion that was all filmed in this country the the entrance to it i mean they do make it look like america as much as possible but it makes me think of like you know obviously twin peaks the series one season one and two and the how it was filmed in california yeah um and some of the external shots were of course as
0: well and uh well like when they're walking to the log ladies cabin in season one i mean that's that not kind of thing about, yeah that, i mean that's that's california woods that's not washington woods no i
1: mean it well yeah but the thing is once when i was watching that i wasn't sitting there initially you know when i was 14 or whatever and thinking uh oh this is uh this is definitely california like because i wasn't
0: no i, mean, I kind of exactly may have known at
1: some level i knew it looked a bit too bright to be it didn't look like the pilot like when i first saw the pilot i thought oh this is a bit like dour you know I probably couldn't put it into words then but I was just thinking but I really love this but the thing is they still sustained that throughout mm. the first season and beyond actually uh
0: I love it when uh James in season two roars up his bike and and Donna's like sitting at this like is it like an abandoned like picnic table on the no, side no. of the road or something. it's like uh, you know that, that doesn't, doesn't that <laughs> doesn't happen in Washington state life. Life. Just,
1: it looks too bright and kind of um dry like all of the it's like when, when they have their like, When they have their picnic scene. Right. Yeah, I mean, but also like what about Audrey and John Justice Wheeler? Like when that that looks nothing like Washington State, as far as I'm aware, but
0: I mean the lake does, but not that golden sun. But yeah, not
1: the hills behind
0: them either. I don't know, it just look. <laughs> well. It's like even when you watch John Carpenter's Halloween and 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 Laurie's walking through the neighborhoods with with the little boy at the beginning of the film way off in the distance you can see palm trees and so you know it's not they didn't film this in in the <laughs> that Midwest. was what
1: I liked about the original Twin Peaks you see and it's like it's got this kind of idealization about it mm-hmm. or idyllic nature uh, you know it was um a somewhat rose tinted view of things but at the same time you know you you fell into that kind of world and of course the return didn't do that it didn't have um i mean it gave us audrey and charlie just arguing for instance i mean i quite like where they lived if that was even a real place but i mean (laughs) it was just a mess of books and you know a desk full of like papers and it was hardly romantic was it
0: well i mean and of course some people will say like you know season three is all about how you can never go home again and you know you can't you can't replicate what came before and my argument to that is Lynch chose not to do that because he's quite capable of doing that if that's what he wanted to do clearly that's not what he wanted yeah I don't think
1: he's even trying to communicate that specifically I think he's more trying to communicate um the idea of of if Cooper returned to Twin Peaks because I think he just thought at some point the idea of Cooper just coming straight back in a couple of episodes and he's in Twin Peaks or whatever, it just wouldn't work. It would feel somehow wrong whether we needed like, I mean, obviously, you know, the whole nature of doing all of that. I mean, but it was an experience. You can't really in a way uh, just say it should have been this or that. The other It's like, it is what it is. But they should have Um, called
0: it the return it should have just been called Twin Peaks the experience
1: (laughs) well it is I mean you can watch it back and still enjoy it absolutely And but the thing is you're experiencing it in a completely different way to to the first time you watch it you're watching it now with the knowledge oh you know this Dougie is like just going to be eating crisps and sandwiches or you know Anthony's going to poison him now but he's
0: not really it's There's a lot of humor in it really let me throw this out to you what if they went the star trek for the voyage home route and and uh, cooper gets out of the black lodge (laughs) not knowing that 25 years had passed and he walks in the double r diner and like things are different shelly's older i mean mean, imagine if he was still playing young cooper but now he's in a world 25 years later and he doesn't understand technology
1: yeah it's like it would have been then like that's what the dougie character was was conveying really but the thing is that's the thing that's the pinpoint of what upsets some fans because they don't want that experience shown abstractly they want it literally like they want him in the double r as you're saying Mm. and but mate but would cooper act i mean he would look in the mirror and realize i'm older but then would he realize that shelley is older things like that i mean you could make a whole story out of that but on the other hand he would eventually have to walk to the sheriff's station and then frank truman would be there and it would be uh, yeah i mean they could have done that but it would I'll, have felt... I'll tell you
0: a secret i'll tell you a secret if if that had been the story and cooper went back to the sheriff's station it wouldn't have been frank truman i guarantee you michael Onkin would have come back I still maintain that Michael onkeen
1: well that's was... not a secret Cameron that's just your theory so it is
0: I know but it but I do I do have a, a just a, a just a gut feeling that Michael Ankeen would have come back if the show had been more about Cooper and Truman doing Mysteries together
1: I honestly don't know I honestly think it was probably just some kind of agreement that they I sometimes feel like a lot of these things were put out there into the press, etc., to sort of play with the fans a bit, like him trying to find the jacket and things like that. I don't know whether he ever truly intended to even be in it. So, but
0: um, was it who? I mean, was it Brad Dukes that put out that thing that he was looking for the jacket, or was it Twin Peaks proper uh putting that out? Or was it Welcome precisely? To Twin precisely. Peaks? I, think. I think
1: you've that is a confirmation even really of what I've just said, because those people, they just put stuff out there unquestioning it. Uh, They, they were be basically just a vehicle for Twin Peaks hype at the time. And, uh, they didn't, they went sad to the way it all worked. I mean, you you only have to look at say Chevrolet and Fenn, you know, calling out Lynch and Frost and things like this. It's like, it's good publicity for Twin Peaks, but and I don't think like the Lynch necessarily said to her go out go out and you know say this that the other but I think that there's almost like a a wink you
0: know that was surprising though when she came out on Twitter and started going wild I I I, because she had been that wild though was it really it was just well I mean it was definitely complaining but she it's not like she didn't work after the
1: article
0: but you know well well, what i'm saying is she she had been acting all the years in between so it was surprising it's almost like i don't know it's 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 like i think she went in expecting it to be one thing then got another thing and then had to change it to another thing and then to me i feel like the whole insult was uh the all the entertainment weekly covers i mean they were cool to see but i mean come on i mean talk about setting the audience up for something that's not that's not gonna pay off
1: well i'll you know the my genuine thought is that the return wasn't is definitely not in lynch's mind frosts and you know other kind of people who are in the know uh i you know cheryl lee Laura Dan. it's not supposed to be the end of twin peaks um and then it got to the pandemic and then people saying lynch is looking like he's getting older now and things like this
0: they were saying that three uh, years ago
1: yeah i know but he's he did actually get thinner during the pandemic and uh that luckily he looks better now but i mean you know i think they're definitely still a return to the sort of um not the doppelganger season as it were like there's something coming after it Mm -hmm. uh and so i don't understand why some people react so vehemently against uh the return but i think that's just probably like there's some people who like being uh contrary well maybe they just didn't enjoy it because also they've actually just grown out of that kind of stuff you know
0: well i would say it seems like there's a pattern that whatever the last thing at twin peaks is is either praised or condemned it's like season two is praised and condemned and then we get fire walk with me that's praised and condemned and and then season three comes out that's praised and condemned but people look back now at the bulk of season two and like it and they look back at fire walk with me and they like it so it almost seems like you need something else to come out well
1: i actually think that the return is generally Um, I don't know amongst like say the American population, but I would generally otherwise, uh, it's regarded quite high, highly in the critical world. And also amongst audiences, like, I think say for instance, in this country, I think it got a really good response from people. Um, and then in terms of viewing figures, I think like it's quite a lot here, probably for such a such a kind of show that's quite actually uh I would say moderately inaccessible really um even for people who saw Twin Peaks because you know they I've known people who saw the original Twin Peaks etc and then they put that on and they're like oh this is something completely different so I mean we didn't think that obviously we thought yes this is for me it felt like a natural continuation of it in many ways but it um I mean, I will, I will just say that I really liked Season 3 as a whole, um, but I still feel pretty much the same as I did in uh, 2017, where I was saying, you know, why did Lynch choose to have the vortex effect look so obviously like fake? But uh, And then people are like, oh, it's because he ran out of money on the special effects or something, but it's not. It's because he wanted it to look fake. Like a lot of Season 3 is about that kind of artifice because they – it's like the makeup on Kyle. They've made him look as close as possible in uh, like not aging enough from Cooper. But the thing is, if you actually look at Kyle now, or even then, if you didn't have the right makeup and dye in his hair and all that, and hadn't worked out, he probably would look more his real age. And I think that in itself is significant. A lot of like, it's about like the different shots of the Palmer house, you know, like the, Sarah's in it it's got all the scrub grass and kind of uh it's not like they <laughs> scrubbed, <laughs> scruffed up the whole house started like you know pulling bits of wood off and stuff I mean they couldn't do that obviously because, and budget true, whatever but um yeah and then later on it looks fine doesn't it when they arrive at the end of the series so
0: um well and the diner yeah. of course it doesn't say don't yeah to go at the end
1: well they refashioned the whole thing and you know that was paid for by the production but in a way basically they've enabled Tweeds cafe to kind of fully become you know the twin peaks diner i mean i don't know why they just call it the double r to be honest. they
0: they they try they're probably not allowed to but no they're not. Sure. they're not they're not they're not they they did try uh to do that which would have been absolutely amazing to do that um
1: but yeah but do you think it actually would though because do you think it could actually there are some fans who are going to be going in there and like hey there Norma can I have a slice of that damn that
0: pie is good well I mean the co-owner of the diner the the co-owner of the diner uh is on Instagram as the new Norma so
1: well yeah she actually uh added me as a friend I think and um she's very nice but it's because I was posting so many of her you know, posts from the diner onto coffee time. And I've just kept putting comments like saying, get yourself down to tweeds cafe. Sorry. I can't get there because I'm like in the UK, but uh, you know, I
0: love, I loved, I, I mean, I do love going there uh, when I'm in the area. I probably go two or three times if I'm there for a week. I, you know, I, I can't do it every day because it is ultimately diner food and I'll be 50 pounds heavier by Friday, but
1: yeah well i mean I, it's good i would be there you know trying to gain as much weight as possible by eating there three times a day <laughs> um
0: I, I, well there was one time i went there before they owned it and um i think it was like a I would, I would camp out, night. out
1: of the back behind a, it was
0: tuesday uh, night and i think it, i think it was tuesday night and it was uh open mic night and you want to talk about a lynchian moment it was like mm locals coming down there reading poetry in the corner of the double R diner <laughs> with it to a mic was uh quite something. Um so Sounds good. before we wrap up I just have to ask you uh since you were talking about uh, season three um yeah why don't you why don't you rank rank the seasons and the movie by your favorite so you know from from well the,
1: yeah I mean you're really putting me into the uh shit now damn it. and uh, <laughs>
0: I'll have to I'll have to try and dig myself out of it but I think um so this is one... what you consider like like uh you know not critical best or you know objectively best what is your favorite if you were to rank them
1: oh out of Twin Peaks uh yes. seasons um and the movie well I would rank season two at the top yeah uh then Season one, uh, then The Return, then Firewalk with Me. But that isn't that doesn't make any sense because obviously I love Firewalk with Me. But I, I will say, now that the kind of you know people are sort of like saying Firewalk with Me is the best film ever made and it's a masterpiece and everything, I will say it is separate from the rest of it, uh, more so than The Return, even it's its own thing and has to be sort of enjoyed on its own. Almost. I Mm. think, I I mean, I mean, it's like, it is a masterpiece in its own right though. So that, so I'm not actually really ranking it lower than any of the other seasons in a way, but it's separate from them. But the fact that I put season two at the top, I think is a important factor because Mm. season two is basically shows you the very best, and the you know worst of Twin Peaks but at the same time as we've always said the worst of Twin Peaks is like better than most TV shows so uh,
0: well like I said the other day that like while people complain about James and Evelyn or little Nikki because Twin Peaks right now is finite and there's only so much of it I enjoy every minute of it regardless mm. of whatever is on screen uh for me it would be season two at the top season one firewalk with me and season three um it is not it's not actually officially
1: season three though I will I will well say whatever that.
0: it is <laughs> Twin Peaks the
1: return because I don't think it's a continuation of se- of season two it's almost a standalone thing really as you would agree I'm sure but
0: Would didn't you uh, just say it felt like a natural continuation
1: at the start only at the start though those first four episodes as we've often right. said like and then it just goes off into another thing. I think it's very much in the same tradition of like Lost Highway or Mulholland Drive and Endless Empire in that like it's divided, you know, and the musical choices as well are very divisive. It's like like not so much uh, schizophrenic, but split personality or something.
0: I do think that uh, it was very calculated on their part to release the four, first four episodes on the on that first night, because once it hits episode five, it really does kind of you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't like go off in a new direction, it kind of leans in on that new direction. Um and uh so that I mean that kind of mixes everything up.
1: It really the, the funny thing about it is like Lynch has said critical things about season two, mm-hmm. and yet it was almost like he was slightly aping it in, or a better word would be almost inspired by season two in some strange way in the return, because it has such shifts tonally and just like it goes from you know serious moments and then moments which actually are touching in mm. some strange way and then it's you know it's almost like pine weasel silliness you know i mean come on the ike the spike but scene where he bends his thing yeah it's like what what's going off you know this is like it's just completely stupid but at the same time disturbing and so, well they do yeah. they do
0: weird things too like the you know the 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 doorknob weird thing that happens yeah, every, that, yeah. or like i mean i haven't seen it but apparently michael horse is like blinking backwards during the whole uh, yeah uh, ready yeah. briggs scene i mean i
1: well not the whole bit in just one shot but they the thing is if that's a very difficult thing to detect you know and but I, I'm pretty sure about it. But if you look at the scene with Stephen and Becky in a in the car when they're outside the double R mm. and he's taught, he makes a joke about needing bread as in needing money. And she's been working in a bakery. It's like you can see someone walk backwards quite a long way in the back of the shot. And I know that that's not a special effect, which would be that massively difficult to do. You can, you know, like just uh fix on one bit of the frame and then reverse the bit in that bit. So it's like,
0: it was very much like the end of Carrie when Amy Irving is walking into the cemetery and because they had her do it backwards in the background you can see cars driving backwards oh did they yeah
1: they, they had her walking backwards
0: yeah so give, you it look, more, give it a more give a strange feel sort of yeah but we if you look at the background it. you can see the traffic going backwards too
1: I never noticed that but I mean we probably saw it on TV here like cropped so they probably maybe even crop the traffic out but i'm gonna have to watch that at some point
0: yeah so i mean i mean that's, I mean, that's kind of that, you know it's kind of a trick that they do i mean i i, I do feel like season three is more or less saying you know the world is just chaotic now the doppelganger out it's just things are not on the correct axis yeah but i think
1: it's not just it's both it's like it's lynch's thing view partly or frost as well of like the world now it is literally like on you know bringing in the mobile phones and then this a uh, lively talk around the dinner table like what but I mean you see people wandering around with phones now and talking non-stop and it's like you know the majority of conversations that people
0: must be having must be just a lot of nonsense and uh well the fact that they're using blackberries in 2017 is it's really interesting uh, <laughs> well that, that
1: that suggests there's some kind of time
0: uh i don't know what, what you would call that time, like uh i think that's time, why a lot of people including me thought perhaps rancher rosa was a different <laughs> different year or it's 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 like it's displaced
1: isn't it like cooper's displaced it's like they're in that well it's supposed to be setting about in Rancho Rosa it's supposed to be set in about 2011 or something around the time of the property crash or before that 2009 actually I think mm-hmm. so so it's a different but it does it, the thing with Lynch is you would expect that he would maybe set put up a subtitle saying Rancho Rosa 2009 or something like that and then
0: I thought we were gonna get a big I reveal know. I thought we were gonna get a big reveal when they um when Jade mailed the key to yeah. the to the hotel i thought we were going to get a reveal that like I but if know. she's in 2009
1: she can't and it's not supposed to be 2009 and twin peaks i don't but there's no
0: indication that it's not to be honest is there it's true i think true. everyone just assumed it took place in the year that it came out well actually doesn't frank say it was
1: 25 years ago or hawk since cooper went in yeah
0: well think... hawk also forgets how many pages got ripped out of laura's diary so
1: Yeah, and they make things so, I mean, Lynch uh, and his editing team and Frost, I mean, I don't want to ascribe everything to Lynch because, like, if you read the book autobiography of um, Frost that came out not long ago, it's like he says there's 48 hours there of Twin Peaks, you know, when in response to people just wanting more, which is very true. But in a way, just him saying that is saying kind of go back, look at it all, and then... He wouldn't say that if they didn't have some thought about it still in my opinion uh and you always said it is a continuing story but well, um, it's like
0: the car the car explodes right in the in the driveway and then it's like like two or three episodes where they're investigating the car exploding
1: yeah and the cops or whatever or whoever the the salvage team that they are delighted to find that the registration plate is on the roof like brilliant <laughs> You know, I mean, um, he's <laughs> got that typical kind of ridiculous, slight like Mulholland Drive style humor in it there. And then the, yeah. Anyway, there's a delay always. Like there's a long delay where that uh, kid looks out of the the window, right? And there's the burning, and then suddenly she sits up the drugged out mom, and she's like, and then this music comes in, like, <laughs> and you're like, what? What's going off? Like is that what's the dramatic thing here is it the car exploding is it hair waking up it's just it, yeah that is a very Lynchian moment that one and uh oh the last thing I wanted to mention Cameron was the that one of the best things in those first four episodes which I, I loved looking back on it especially is Hawk goes to Glastonbury Grove mm-hmm. and he says no no Catherine I don't I can't come for pie and coffee and stuff Are you thinking, this is this is really nice this is Twin Peaksy. this is like and there's the I think it's got the sycamores music or something like that or the the lodge music and it's like um and then it just the, the, we get the camera flare we you know from the torch and things that's it that's it and then it cuts to the black lodge doesn't it but it's cooper it's nothing to do with hawk so it's like what happened so did hawk actually do anything there did he
0: go into the black lodge but just didn't anybody either I think I think that scene is excuse me I think that scene is Hawk going back to the you know the scene of the crime the glassbury Grove and he doesn't see anything there but we then jump inside the curtains and see what's what's going on you know that that Hawk isn't seen
1: yeah and I think that that is part of the whole thing you know it's like is 25 years later you can't just immediately sort of re-enter into that world as the viewer in a way we have to go into cooper's world perhaps but it's um it's incredibly confusing way of going into that so
0: well we always thought that season three was going to begin with some sort of introductory somethings to kind of pull in new viewers and lynch uh-huh. and frost said to hell with that we're going to begin with cooper talking to the giant in black and white Tat-
1: tattooed hipster babes and." guys under the falls um bobby pulling up in a truck shouting you know yippee mother something and then
0: <laughs> don't don't take any oink oink off that pretty pig woof, uh, woofing, barking like a dog all right i got one last question for you and that is because you mentioned uh mark frost the secret history of twin peaks right do you think because I know where I stand I think that it was a mistake to release that book prior to season three I think it would have been more uh interesting to release that after season three I would say so based
1: on uh reactions from certain you know from yourself and others with me I was just like okay this is interesting to look at but it's not really offering me um it's not it's not like sucking me into the show uh, or taking me into that world it's more like an addendum or something or an extra thing but it i don't know mark frost would argue that a lot in it would actually perhaps offer a sort of an extra different layer of the mystery which is probably true but i i honestly find the book quite uh difficult to sort of really get into. I I think
0: if the book, the book came out before people went through it, some people really liked it, some people were kind of okay with it. I didn't personally like it when it came out. However, and and I know I got a lot of flack for that. um, But that was just how I felt. I think, though, if the same book comes out after season three, I think the sales are even bigger than it was prior to season three. And I also feel like people would have put a lot more attention into the little details trying to extract whatever they could from season three whereas before well, i think just, we, didn't, we didn't know what was season three was going to be know, about so
1: main character in the book is called Dougie, you know and then we've got like Dougie jones like why is he called Dougie jones i mean it's the whole thing of cooper having a dream about characters he met in twin peaks because he did meet Dougie um milford milford so you know and sometimes the people who are the this is one thing you know i don't know if it's true for you but i think it probably is for men for everyone really um someone you just know vaguely or you may have met just like when you're at school or something and then they just come up in a dream you're like what <laughs> you know this is <laughs> you know when I, well you know not like i'm reacting in my dream but you may remember it some at some point and you think sort of uh it's just it's just like you you think is you're making like something into a character in your own mind and this can happen with especially if you don't know someone particularly you imagine a character of them don't you and, uh,
0: i i think the idea of them being the joneses is like you know that, that old saying keeping up with the joneses yeah they're
1: very much just yeah they're supposed to be like just this ordinary I mean, basically, it's like, hey, they're just an ordinary, typical family living in this new Rancho Rosa development. Where
0: the husband is a doofus and the the wife runs the whole show.
1: But in reality, he he can't hardly move and she's in bed riding him. Uh, I mean, it's just, (laughs) no, but I mean, come on, it does. A lot of people said that that scene in itself was questionable, uh, saying that Janie was taking advantage of Dougie so but I don't think it is because Dougie seems quite uh into the whole thing so uh it's fine I, I mean, do he, like the fact about that that the same same enjoyment as
0: having chocolate cake though really so <laughs> I do like this idea that his son doesn't say a word for like two episodes and then the first thing his son says is I need to brush my teeth
1: yeah I wish I'd noticed that one I don't uh, When does he say that when he's in? Oh yeah. When he's He's in the bed bed, and Dougie puts the crisp on him. That's ridiculous. (laughs) That's the thing with the return. It's like, I think that kind of thing, some people, they just don't really buy it or something. Whereas for me, I'm just like, Oh, this is just like, this is good, (laughs) you know, but it's not, I don't I don't ever pretend that like think that's like something from season two or something this is a different kind of thing and um but there are moments in there that remind you for instance like Doug is in blue you know pajamas and then he's looking into the mirror and stuff I mean
0: well I remember when they were making uh, the show and uh you sent me those pictures of Kyle in the green jacket and you're like yeah. <laughs> you're like what are they gonna CGI over this <laughs> over him? I thought it was basically he'd gone back into the 50s because of that style and um,
1: it was like the the FBI just cobbled together some uniform for them. And it's not I, and that I would have really loved that if Cooper had gone into the fifties, <laughs> I mean, and the FBI were like, what the fuck what are we going to do with this guy? <laughs> 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 have you got any spare clothes here? Like, yeah, I've got this green jacket. It's really cool now. Right. I mean, nobody wears like, well, they actually do now because they're like, that kind of fashion is back in but it's like it wasn't supposed to be fashionable on Dougie was it it was supposed to be like <laughs> a salesman who's like still dressing as if it's uh 1973 or something I don't know it's just yeah and the lime green thing is just one of Lynch's big things like within an empire like he got a, a got a whole jacket and then put it in lime green paint for the uh right. for that character in it which was
0: well, we even got a dancing monkey at the end Quite of the so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, James, uh, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, you can uh, find James at, uh, is it still Twin Peaks Coffee Time, or did you change no, the name on YouTube? It's going to be just Dan Fine Coffee Time now because right. of, um,
1: I just want to make it a little bit more um, clear that it's not just about Twin Peaks.
0: Is this going to stay your Twitter handle then?
1: yeah I'm going to keep it now definitely because uh I think that it would and
0: yeah it's on Twitter and Instagram now etc so Facebook right. well make sure you follow James and his company over there as for us you can follow us on Patreon Facebook Instagram Twitter emails anytime at obnoxious anonymous at anonymous thank you James I really appreciate you joining me for this Twin Peaks Star of the day And uh, let us know what you guys think in the comments. Give this video a thumbs up, subscribe to our channels, and we will see you soon. Take it easy. Have a wonderful day. Take care.